All right, dog. Count us in whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. My fellow Americans, it is time that we put aside our differences and embrace one another as neighbor and friend. Let us take the example of the Cal Park bros who can talk about being vaccinated or not being vaccinated, have heated discussions, and still be friends after 30 years. They've even had the same petty discussions of whose baseball team is better, the Chicago Cubs or the Chicago White Sox. When in reality, it's the St. Louis Cardinals, but that's a different story. But anyways, my fellow Americans, we need to embrace the Cal Park Bros. Listen to them, like them, love them, share them. Because if they can get along and talk about these difficult topics, can't we all? I remember a line by a famous person once. Everybody love everybody. And I love the Cal Park Bros. And I endorse this podcast. Cal Park Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in from the Batcave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? I'm doing very well as usual. It's Tuesday. It's a short week at work, so that's always a good thing. So yeah, I can't complain there. It's always in a good mindset, because basically for me, the week's half over now, so I ain't mad at that. So so it's, it's been good, though. Uh, definitely a much-needed short week, so... Um, but as always, man, I look forward to Tuesdays because that means I get to uh, do a podcast with somebody that I think I've known for a long time, I think. I, I don't know. That's a judgment call, I guess. But, um, but yeah, ready to do it, man. Well, wonderful to hear, Jason. Uh, whatever you got cooked up next week, it sounds like some uh, time well spent being off. So, hey, Anytime you're off work is a good week. I agree with that. Thank you for listening. This is episode 23 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is a weekly podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. And as always, we are your hosts, Terrence and Jason. And every single Thursday, we release a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. Folks, no matter the topic, You can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning 
through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. Folks, for more Cal Park Bros content, and we know you want more Cal Park Bros content, make sure you connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube under the handle Cal Park Bros or Cal Park Bros Podcast for more behind the scenes of the Cal Park Bros Show and to engage with us every single day. But also, most importantly, the Cal Park Bros Podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And folks, if you like us, why wouldn't you? You know what it is, folks. At this point, if you like us, if you haven't shared us yet with somebody else, what are you waiting for? If you want to stay a member of the Cal Park Bros uh, Nerds crew and a Cal Park Bros Stalker crew, that's what you got to do. Like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Live it. Love it. Do it. Cal Park Bros, baby. Live it. I like that. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> is, that, is, that another, is that another hashtag for us? It might be. It might be. We get we got to tinker with that a little bit, though. I'm not sure if we, that's ready for uh, Gen Pop. We we can do it. We can do it. Well, Jason, thank you again for another wonderful week to share our our segments and our our witticisms with the world. On um, the first segment, we're going to be talking about the fact that Sears Roebuck. Uh, as we knew and loved it and loved it as children and as young adults uh, is no more. Um, apparently the Sears um, Enterprise has closed its last store in the home state of Illinois in uh, Woodfield Mall, which is Schaumburg for those scoring at home folks. Jason, when you and I were discussing this earlier this week, you didn't even know that Sears was still open at all. Oh, there's, there's a few things. Yeah, I, I didn't know they had actual still department stores still. There's a few, like, there, well, there was a few Sears outlet stores here in Indy, which even the ones I know knew about are actually now closed now, so it's kind of funny. But yeah, I didn't know they had any large department stores anymore because what I know Sears as is being that department store inside of a mall. And even though we don't go to malls as much as we used to anymore, every mall you go to now, it's they have other big name department stores like Von Mar, which I know you're familiar with that, or you might still find some pennies around maybe or whatever it may be, but it's not Sears. Uh, so yeah, didn't know they still had any department stores open. Uh, didn't know that they were the, Illinois was a home state. Didn't know that. Makes sense though, given the Sears Tower, even though it's not called that anymore, you know, Willis. But, um, but yeah, it's uh, surprising that they're still open and a little bit, not sad to see that they're leaving Illinois or closing this last department store. Um, but it kind of gives you that walk down memory lane, knowing that this thing you used to know is now no longer going to be around at some point. So, so yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to reference the CNN business article uh, that I saw earlier this week. The Sears department store in Woodfield Mall in Schaumburg, a Chicago suburb, will close on November 14th. Um, the store, um, as Sears is known, was, uh, was acquired by a company named Transform Co., which acquired Sears Holdings after the company filed for bankruptcy in 2018 and has confirmed its plans to develop that property. We intend to reinvigorate and maximize the value of the real estate while enhancing the consumer experience with popular retailers that fit the regional draw of Woodfield Mall. 
says Scott Carr, president of Real Estate for Transform Co. Transform Co. said the company is focused on growing Sears.com and the Sears Home Services business. Sears will still have a presence in Illinois, by the way, Jason. There are 11 Sears hometown stores in the state operating primarily in small towns by independent dealers or franchisees of Transform Co. affiliates. The stores are typically between 6,000 and 8,000 square feet, far smaller than Sears department stores, which were more than 100,000 square feet, and sell mainly hard goods and appliances. Transform Co. strategy is to operate more stores like the hometown Sears. Now, since, Jason, we've talked a lot about how retail has changed, we, we should probably talk about where Sears is, even though they're no longer in Illinois. There are currently 300 Sears and Kmart stores still open in the United States, down from nearly 700 in October 2018, when Sears declared bankruptcy. At its peak, the company operated more than 3,000 stores. So... I feel like a lot of this probably was accelerated by COVID. And and I'm, I'm looking in this article. It's, 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 this guy uh, is an analyst. I, I shouldn't assume it's a guy. It could very well be a gal or it could be a they. Uh, Reshmi Basu, an analyst with DebtWire, an expert in retail bankruptcies. I was surprised it wasn't liquidated already. Sounds like something you'd say. Something I'd say? Yeah. I mean, it literally sounds like you were surprised that they were still in existence. So this analyst with DebtWire is effectively saying, well, I was surprised that they weren't already liquidated. They were surprised, it sounds like, that they weren't already there pre-COVID. Well, well, yeah. I mean, also, as you're saying that, thinking about their connection with Kmart, since Kmart bought them, I believe, uh, 20, uh, uh, 2005, actually, um, I was thinking the same thing with them because I've, I haven't seen a Kmart in a while. I think every Kmart I've known of has closed, whether it be here in Indy, Chicago, Alton, Missouri, wherever. So that combined with not seeing those anymore, yeah, I didn't think either one one of them are, were around. So seeing this news article again about the last store in Illinois, and even just hearing that there's still 300 stores, uh, which I'd be very, we can always look it up, but I'd be very curious to know where those stores are. I know they said they're like in small towns. I mean, they mean like truly small towns, like towns of like a thousand or so people or, or, or what? But, um, but yeah, man, like, like I was saying yesterday, it's, it's kind of like, I remember conversations with, with my grandparents talking, talking about some of the stores that they grew up on, and were, you know, fixtures in their lives being around. And Sears is one of them. But you also mentioned some other stores that are around. And I kind of feel like this is going to be an example of one of the stores in our time that, like, people like you are going to be telling their grandkids about, hey, I remember back when I was a whippersnapper, you know, I used to go to Sears for this or whatnot. I remember my grandfather saying Sears was a place for him to go for tires. And I never thought about Sears being a place for tires, even though they that's something they definitely do. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I don't know if it's all this is related to COVID. Um, I mean, obviously the decline is not, it's going to, you know, as far as their decline wasn't because of COVID, maybe their growth in the, you know, online services they offer maybe helped, 
But I have to imagine even that growth for them is going to be stunted if it grows at all. But then also, I got to feel like their brick and mortar businesses were probably not helped by the growth of other online services or even other brick and mortar places like Walmart. Because I mentioned yesterday, Walmart is a place you can go for super Walmarts to go to get pretty much anything you want. I mean, I know you mentioned Craftsman Tools, but that's more of a specific brand. Walmart may or may not have that, which I think they do. Um, which I know you mentioned that maybe Walmart.com, which you know still is to the point as to why you might not go to Sears.com and get it because you can just get it from Walmart with the other stuff you're buying. Um, but then you combine that with Amazon being the trillion-dollar company that that they are, um, which is which has, well, has to be part, uh, factored into this when it comes to any online business because just the amount of growth. According to Bloomberg, the growth that Amazon has seen between just between 2015 and 2021 this year, I mean, they've almost doubled their value since then. And they were, their value was already in the billions at that, at that point. I think like $800 billion, I think I saw for, on, a, uh, uh, on a BBC article. So they doubled that. So, yeah, it's no surprise. I mean, for things like Sears and Pennies, just the decline of people shopping at malls in general. Uh, other popular brick and mortar places to shop and then just online businesses or just as far as like Amazon and Walmart they're probably dominating both spectrums of that and the fact that you can get your Amazon stuff you can pick it up from any Whole Foods near you if you don't want to pick it up at your house yeah it's probably going to be hard for any stalwart that we knew as a kid to survive just because whenever it comes to online shopping or even you know Brick and mortar shopping, certain places are just known the places to go. It's either this place or that place, and that's pretty much where people will go. So uh, yeah. I, know it's a knock on, I know it's a knock on Walmart, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a secondary conversation to be had, not for today, but about some of these brick and mortar businesses like Kohl's, for example, that have effectively said, hey, we will work with an entity like Amazon if it means that we actually get to survive. Are, are you seeing an article for, about that recently? That they, they're I mean, saying that? No, no, no. I mean, I, it's not an article. I walk my black ass into a Kohl's and I return something <laughs> to Amazon. I don't need an article for that. That's firsthand experience, my dog. There, so, hey, there we go. We'll take that firsthand experience. We'll take it. Appreciate yeah. that. No, no. Christy or me, we ordered something off of Amazon. It was like, ah, that didn't work. And from my perspective, it was simply just easier. That's another thing, too. If it's just easy for me to conduct business, I'm more likely to buy stuff from you. I'm also more likely to buy from an affiliate. I mean, affiliate um, conversions is a big deal, too. It's like, yeah, maybe... You don't buy from that company, but you buy from a company that is cool with this other company because you guys actually have a proper handoff in terms of the baton if I need something. It seems like Sears kind of missed that boat. I mean, even in the CNN article we're referencing here, it even talks about the fact that Eddie Lampert, the CEO, literally got sued because it seemed like every... He undermined Sears' ability to ever compete in this in this landscape by every imaginable metric. So that's that's a very nuanced discussion. I'm just telling you that's what critics have said. 
because he's a hedge fund guy. And a hedge fund guy typically is going to bean count you to death and pick the bones so there's nothing left, which would explain why Sears has had to sell off everything that actually made it Sears. I mean, the fact that you can get Craftsman. I can walk into a Lowe's and buy Craftsman stuff. That used to be, no, if I wanted the Craftsman stuff and I wanted the good shit, I had to walk my ass into a Sears to get it. You know, that's where I knew Sears from, was big into appliances and your your home and garden stuff. Um, and re- really, it just seems like, you know, for... Amazon is going to be the the easy oh well they just they didn't they didn't weren't able to compete in that landscape because the Amazon forget that they're getting their ass kicked by Home Depot for crying out loud you know there's more competitors and it seems like you know it's unfortunate because one it's a great Illinois story and it's a great retail story um but it almost feels like the more we learn about it, the more it's like, well, of course it happened like this because of the the players involved and the politics involved. Um, but it's probably for a different segment. What I really want to talk about is what Sears meant to us as kids. I mean, I my dad bought more shit from Sears for our household than I care to count. So, um, yeah, Craftsman being one of the brands that just stands out to me. And then I think that's why I probably hold that, that brand in such high regard today as a, as a man is because of how much stuff I saw with the craftsman label on it as a kid. So, um, I did want to bring up some, some history about, uh, Sears, uh, Sears actually started off as a mail order, uh, business in the 19th century. Um, the, the actual Sears name came from Richard W. Sears. He bought a shipment of watches that a local jeweler refused to sign for. He established a side business selling the watches to to other station agents on the railroad. He quit the railway a few job a few months later and established the R.W. Sears watch company in Minneapolis. He then moves that business to Chicago the following year in 1887. And an ad he had placed in a Chicago newspaper brought watchmaker Alva C. Roebuck into the business. And by 1893, the successful partnership officially became Sears, Roebuck and Company. Now, another thing that was really uh, popular about the Sears brand was the catalogs. Or as former Terrence as a child would say, the Sears wish book. Because <laughs> we know Terrence wouldn't get nothing as a kid. We know that. I remember distinctly I mean, Terrence asking for stuff and mom, your mom was like a hard no almost every time. I thought it was hilarious. Not that my mom was I mean, any different, but still, it was, it was funny. <laughs> I mean, my mom had a very unique way of saying no, and that's to say I will not be emulating that way of saying no. I would circle all this shit in a serious wish book, <laughs> making a damn fool out of myself all of November and December. Come December 25th, ain't a damn thing under that tree from that catalog. 
I'm sure you had nice versions of stuff not from Sears, though. So, <laughs> yes, yes, I did. All the shit underneath that tree was like, oh, we in the clothing section. <laughs> so, I, I, I bring this up because this was really innovative because not only, you know, I talk about the wish book, but also they took advantage of. You could actually order a home via the Sears Home Catalog. So between 1908 and 1940, Sears sold 70,000 to 75,000 prefab kit homes by mail order. And because those materials were mass produced, consumers could purchase a small bungalow for as little as $450. Of course, that's $450 in that time money. Not four hundred and fifty dollars today, money. That's baller money back then, bro. Yeah, you hashtag balling on a budget. So, um, but yeah, Sears is part of our lexicon. I mean, for Christ's sake, one of the coolest skyscrapers of all time, the Sears Tower. I'm never going to call it the Willis Tower. It's always going to be the Sears Tower to me. Um, so, uh, while Sears has met, I don't even want to call it an untimely demise. Um, but it feels like, in a weird way, a very slow death. I feel like I bring up these things from our childhood and the things that our parents cared about. And I bring up how retail has changed uh, because we can't tell about the, we can't talk about the story of Sears without talking about us in that regard. Um, Jason, did I leave anything out that you, that we, when we talk about the story of Sears? No, uh I, I wouldn't think so. Uh, I do know that just from my perspective, my affinity for Sears, even though I remember them as a kid, I mean, of course, they had one in Evergreen Plaza, if I recall correctly. But I, as far as my use of Sears, like you mentioned, became known, I knew them as appliances, tools if you need them, those random things that you were not going to buy on a regular basis like clothes, even though they sold clothes. I didn't think of Sears as, as that clothing place. I thought of them as appliances, a place to get my car fixed, maybe. Uh, if you want yep. some nice rims for your car, you can do that. So <laughs> yeah, The auto centers were big, too. I mean, we talked a lot about tools, home and garden, but a lot of things that we talk about our experience, I feel like the fact that the shopper experience has changed and evolved in the 20 years, plus years that we've been adults, we cannot talk about Sears and the changing landscape of shopping in America, the world for that matter, without talking about how Sears couldn't keep up with that. So it's a very important distinction, probably worth worthy of a, a second segment at some point, some point um, because to your point, Jason, this is not the only major retailer that's facing these issues. And even the CNN business article I referenced talked about real estate. You know, America's going to have a ticking time bomb in its hands if malls that we know and love it aren't going to be around. So that, definitely a worthwhile discussion. So for sure, man, definitely. It's a lot of things as malls, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it because I know we're going to say that for next episode, but I think that is a thing that's, it's going to hurt a lot of businesses because if people aren't coming to my brick and mortar shop because they can buy stuff online, either from me, either from my, that same store, then 
what's going to be the point to keeping the brick and mortar place? You know, um, I, I can't think of uh, stores in the mall that's local to me, but but if I can just go online and buy from there, people are going to start doing that. Some of which, like you mentioned, the pandemic, it's going to be because of that. People don't want to necessarily get out because they don't. They might not want to have to put on a mask. But they don't want to just get dressed, you know, because they're already used from working from home already. So it's like, you know what? I had this long day. I'm already in my pajamas. I don't feel like taking them off. Let me just go buy this there, whatnot. And that's going to become the routine even after the pandemic's over. And even even if you're, you know, going back to the office at some point, you're still going to be used to buying stuff online. There's going to be a lot of people also who never go back to the office. Their job went fully remote or they found a fully remote job. So right. that's going to lead, lead itself even anymore, not going shopping anywhere. You know, Because when you do want to get out at that point, it's probably not going to be go, to go shopping. It's probably going to be more to hang out with your friends, people you know, so you can see that face-to-face interaction, not necessarily sticking your head in a in a cashier's face trying to buy some clothes off of them. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's also a, wor- a, a worthwhile discussion. Some of us hate shopping, like as a general task, even if it's stuff for just you, you hate doing it. And, you know, for, for some folks, retail therapy is therapy. And for some folks, retail therapy is literally hell on earth. And I think that is also worthy of further discussion at some point. But I digress. Yeah. That concludes our segment on Sears as an enterprise. Um, and coming up next on Calpar Bros, we're going to be talking about the fallout from some more of these uh, uh, capital... Uh, rioters, supporters, in in light of the fact that some of them are going to be actually doing some jail time. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros. To the Cal Park Bros podcast. Jason and I are fresh off discussing the recent news that Sears is closing its last store in its home state of Illinois. Shout out to Redfield Mall. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the, the waning support of the capital insurrectionists. Jason, do we dare need to even give a recap of this fuckery? Did Did you just say insurrectionists? Yes, I did. I've never heard that before, but I like it. We'll have to keep using that. Yeah. Insurrectionists. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We can call them cosplay insurrectionist enthusiasts. Wannabes. There you go. That's what we yeah. need to go. 
But no, we well, don't need the recap. I think people are pretty well aware of what happened. Uh, I think at this point, anything we say about it is stuff that's more recent or going forward. So just my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, a re- a small recap might be helpful for for those, for the, for the uninitiated. If you've been under a rock the last, uh, well, shit, all of 2021, hell, we started off the year with a bang, or at least some of these assholes did. Um, these, uh, as uh, my co-hostess with the Mohostess, Jason, stated, um, these wannabes uh, tried to initiate a protest at the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, and then, uh, for, 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 for some of us, they came in a little too hot and they, they, they got a little carried away with the, uh, with the cosplay and decided to storm the Capitol and actually like try and take over the fucking thing. Um, and then, and then sadly, only a few of them got shot in the fucking head. (laughs) That might be taking it a little too far. Yeah, that maybe. was a, yeah, bro. Maybe, bro, maybe, Jason, Jason. Let's 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 have this out once and for all. If you or I were to be insane enough to either a try to jump the White House fence or try to storm the Capitol, because we felt that. The government was not doing what the government should be doing. Do you think you or I would live to tell about it? So listen, so I'm not saying that, hey, look, to answer your question, yeah, basically, it's obviously stupid for anybody to think they can storm an official government building, let alone the Capitol building of the United States of America, and not think you're going to get some pushback resistance, potentially. Somebody starts shooting back at you. So, yeah, definitely agree with that. Not saying that they should be shot, but I guess in a way it's kind of common sense. It's kind of like if I were to go renting and raving into a, inside of a police station with a gun, or not even with a gun, with brute force, with a bunch of people with me, you know, like a mob, essentially, I can probably expect what's going to happen. It's probably not going to be met with Rainbow sunshine, sunshine, and boxes of candy or flowers, nothing like that. So, um, but I, as far as this rally goes, that happened recently on on Saturday. I was kind of wondering, what are you rallying for? For what was this in support of something? Was this this your stance to say that these people shouldn't be charged or prosecuted? Which I'm like, going back to what I was saying, it's like, what do you think was going to happen? You mobbed and stormed the Capitol building, breaking through windows, assaulting police officers, which I which I find the the most interesting. To that, these kind of people, who were tr- obviously these are Trumpers, there's no I don't think there's any denying that, and aren't these Trumpers not to lump them all in the same category? But aren't these Trumpers supposed to be pro police and pro authority stuff like that? But yet here they are assaulting police officers. Unless it's something they don't agree with, then magically they don't believe in authority. Yeah. So, so I, and we just tried to look it up a little bit ago. I couldn't find, we couldn't find any solid numbers for the amount of people that are actually at this insurrection, 
you know, the number of insurrectionists, hashtag that. But we know the number of people facing charges for the event, that's over 600 people. So I feel pretty comfortable, and I'm sure Terrence does as well, saying there's probably, there's probably at least a thousand people at that insurrection back in January. So, and as far as them gathering, I'm sure that wasn't an issue with anybody. It's just when they started to take the step forward and go into idiocy to storm the Capitol building. So again, I, I say back to this rally that happened Saturday, what are you really rallying against? But I'm going to let you go jump in here. But to that question, one of the speakers at this rally was the organizer of the event. Uh, let me scroll down and find this guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of which, uh, the rally that, you know, the Saturday only had between 400 and 450 people, according to the Capitol Police. Apparently that's down from the 600 plus they thought there was going to be there. Uh, but it's believed that maybe the police presence probably turns people away. Cause the they were ready this time. They were ready. They were came out in full force with law enforcement. They're ready to go. But real quick, so the organizer of the event, Matt Brainard, who is the executive director of a group, Look Ahead America, he <laughs> he he said he he urged attendees to respect the police and journalists in attendance, and said the rally was not intended to support people charged with committing violence on January sixth. Quotation. This is about the many people who were there that day who have not been charged with violence, not been accused of assaulting police officers or destroying property, and the disparate treatment, disparate cheap treatment they received, Brainerd said, this is about equal treatment under the law. That's his quote. We can dive into that for sure. But my question to that, and you can answer that. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to your question, like you always say, and let you go from there. Question statement. What the hell, Terrence? <laughs> yeah, Jason. I no no. I, I don't think that's a bridge too far. I think I I am comfortable saying on wax that if you try to to jump over the White House fence. If you try to invade the fucking Capitol building, hell, you could invade the fucking Mayberry Police Department. Fuck around and find out. If they shoot your ass in the head, guess what? You deserved it. I'm sorry. That's, I, I don't even think that's an extreme reaction. I think that is simply understanding that there are certain things that we cannot do here in these United States of America. I know my black ass would not be living to tell about it if I tried to do that in my local municipality. So yeah, Mr. Equal Protection Under the Law, he's full of shit. Those are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Not not a bridge too far. That's the name of a, of a book, I think. But, uh, but there you go. But... um. So th no matter what the reason, thankfully this event didn't go anywhere close to the direction of the other one. There were some people arrested for like weapons possession issues, um, but that might have been a low number compared to the 600 or excuse me, 400 that were there. So definitely didn't have the same result. Probably wasn't going to happen based off the intent of the group being there, which is good. They weren't intending to, to, to storm the Capitol, not to say the January 6th people weren't. Do you think the shit didn't get out of hand this time? That's what I want to oh, get at. Oh, simply what I was well, well, number one, the like I was mentioning before, the numbers balance is a little different. 
the insurrectionists way outnumbered law enforcement if there was any really much there at all on January 6th. But <laughs> but on this time, it was re almost reversed. 400 to 450 people were at the rally. Uh, I lost a number of number of officers, but they had a lot of agencies there representing ready to go for stuff to pop off. So the, so for every article I did find, they said the law enforcement people outnumbered the people there for the rally. So there's your answer right there. You know, there's that, number one. And I think number two, I, I think that this rally is probably stands the reason based off of how it was probably created was less emotionally charged compared to the one January 6th from the perspective of Trumpers not making an excuse, but from their perspective, they're probably mad, angry, and disappointed about that election. Cause they sure they weren't expecting it to go that way. Um, and then obviously that their leader will say their, their president was charging them up with that little speech he made earlier. Now, I'm sure he didn't necessarily mean storm in the Capitol. I would, would hope not. But I guess people heard that and took it a little too far. So they didn't have any of that in this rally. So that probably changed the mentality of it. It probably just was a rally and that was going to be it. You know, there wasn't, I don't see any pictures of anybody, you know, wearing like army uniforms, you know, masks, trying to cover their identity. It's people, oh. Oh, people, were, or people wearing masks just because of, of COVID stuff. But you know, they're not doing anything ridiculous. People in their normal garb, American flags, whatever. So I just think the mentality of the people there was way different than the people on January 6th. So I think those I mean, are the two big reasons. Nobody showed up like they got the the uh, BOGO sale at 511. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of pictures looking at this article that I we had in the chat of both the people there rallying and the officers. And yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing was going down that. Yeah, you know, Saturday when it comes to storming anything. You would have been stopped well before you got there. They even have fencing up apparently around the Capitol. I don't know if that's in pre preparation for this event, but apparently they were more prepared for any type of, you know, insurrection if it were to happen again, whether it be Saturday or going forward. So Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I'd shudder to think anybody's gonna be trying to do that again just based off of this situation. Because obviously it is looked at as a stain on, on America society. And I've heard that said from people on both sides of the ticket, whether you're anti-Trump or forum, that that mark, no one wanted to see that, including me and you. But um, it happened, obviously, you know, we're moving past it. Hopefully by the time this current administration's out of the office, it won't be even a thought anymore. It'll, it'll be oh, less yeah. remembered than 9-11, so. Yeah, yeah, that'll just be revisionist history about who actually showed up for that shit in the first place. That that is what'll end up happening. Where they said, Oh, well, we always said that, that president was crazy. No, you didn't. Well that that's the part that's gonna piss me off like a lot. Um, but I also think a good chunk of why well, first off, the reason why this rally, in quotations, is much more muted and understated is because one, a lot of those assholes are facing actual jail time. They know they got to chill the fuck out. Good point. Like, you got people with with real real fucking jobs that they lost, uh, the fucking contract deals and shit. One CEO in Illinois literally got ousted by 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 his own fucking company. His own company says, "Nah, dog, you you can't be the face of the franchise anymore. You are out of pocket." Cause you, cause you, cause you want to fucking 
you 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 want to play fucking rebel on a weekend, whack ass weekend warriors. It's ridiculous, but no. We're saying that it's a stain on America, and it's a stain on America. But I'm also part of me is also glad that it happened because a lot of these people needed to be, um kind of like illuminated for the frauds that they are like they they said one thing they said that they believed in law and order and then they literally go hundreds if not thousands of miles to the capital to uh to effectively cause chaos if i don't know if that's not a hypocrite i don't know what is was kyle rittenhouse there too well shit that's <laughs> Sorry, maybe, maybe I should be joking about that, but you, know. you should not be joking about that for obvious reasons, Mister Mister Ross. Um, but you know that 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 is why I'm glad that if we're if we're, that that's really America has a has to just look at itself in the mirror, and then when I say America, I really I really mean all of us, <laughs> right? Because we tell everybody we're the best fucking country out of everyone. But then we have to confront our hypocrisy. If we want to be the exemplary example, then we have to confront ways in which we are not exemplary. That's what we have to do as a, as a nation. So in ways big and way, in ways small. So I've heard people argue against this before when it comes to the thought or idea that America is the best country in the world because they point out its faults, which which is valid and true. But that goes into what you're saying, that we have to acknowledge the fact the ways that we're not the best in the world. Overall, you know, that may be the case. Uh, we're not going to play the best in the world Olympics here to steal a line from you. Um, but, yeah, America has its faults. I'll, I'll admit that. I'm sure each individual is going to have their idea or opinions about what those faults are. But as long as you announce that they're there, then that's the important part. And that's where change can happen when you're acknowledging the faults as, as opposed to denying them just because you don't agree with it. You know? Um, but yeah, I, I personally think this is a fantastic country. Overall, I think our faults, and this, I'm sure it's biased, but I think our faults aren't as bad as some of the other countries that I've looked into when it comes to how are other countries different from us in those aspects or right. in aspects that make us good. So right. we so have, yeah. we also have to acknowledge that we, that unlike, unlike the scenario in which I said, I walk my black ass into a Coles and return something from Amazon. We don't have firsthand knowledge. We have to rely on other people's documented experiences there. Whereas Jason, and I actually have lived in this country. So we what we say is, um, one, we're, we're telling you what most likely some of our relatives have probably told us, you know, <laughs> uh, but also what we've experienced firsthand as two black men in America. So I think that's all relevant. Totally. I agree 100 percent, Jason. Yeah. And that's that's also why. And we're I'll see Cowboy Roses on YouTube, but I also watch that from a personal standpoint as well. And I've found myself getting into watching, I think I've mentioned this before on my personal social media pages, that I find it fascinating to, two things. One, see how people in other countries 
what their opinions and thoughts are about America, its customs, things that we produce, stuff like that. But vice versa, I've also gotten into finding out perspectives of people who are from America or actually even some other country and how they are living in another country. What's it like by comparison? I actually came upon a series of videos talking about Americans who live in you know, certain Asian countries and what's the difference there, living there compared to here. And, and obviously they, they mentioned the benefits of it compared to here, which sound fantastic. So in some cases, cost of living to still live in certain great areas, but then they mentioned the drawbacks and it's like, oh, well, in that same aspect, I thought we had it bad here in America, but it's even worse there. So it's kind of like, okay. So it's really all about give and take. Cause I would think, why would I ever want to live in another country when I got to deal with this? But, you know, some people, you know, don't mind it and figure it out that this is what they missed living there. What's better here? So I, I always I find those videos fascinating. So, but definitely it's a good reminder of what makes this country great. And then, but then also, like I was saying before, our faults are our faults. But it's always worse somewhere else in that same area potentially. So you're saying that the grass is always greener on the other side. I see what you're saying there. Essentially, in, in, in much less words. Yeah, that's the yep. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I, I can tell you you're accusing me of being long-winded, so I'll, I'll go ahead and stop now. I mean, if I were to do that, I would simply just say it. But I appreciate uh, the banter, as always. Um, and that concludes this segment on <laughs> the grass not being greener, especially if you're ra- rallying against common sense uh, for cos- cosplay capital insurrectionists. Again, that's that a hashtag, bro. That's a yes, hashtag. Hashtag, and hell, it might also <laughs> be a podcast title. Jesus. <laughs> that concludes the segment on the second rally at the Capitol, <laughs> the rally to end all rallies. Coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to prevent, or rather, how to reduce. Uh, children from getting in front of screens, whether it's a phone, tablet, TV, you name it. Coming up next on Cal Park Bros. Okay, I'm gonna need you to repeat that line. Cosplay what? Cosplay insurrectionist enthusiast. Boom. That's our episode title for 23. Boom. Cosplay insurrection enthusiasts. Boom. Done. Save. Updated. It's a thing. It's happening. To the Cal Park Bros podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the segment discussing the the muted and understated <laughs> capital uh support rally. The rally that they swore wasn't supporting the January 6th cosplay insurrectionist enthusiasts. <laughs> and why are you there, folks? Why are you there? Really? Come on. <laughs> why are you there? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you, you're, you're literally better off being at a fucking porn set than being at the fucking Capitol on January 6th. Okay. Bro, you, you've been out you, of pocket this show, bro. <laughs> what do you do? What? What? Whoa, yeah. You would be out of pocket this episode, man. You would fit in better on the fucking set of Boogie Nights than you were on the fucking Capitol steps on January 6th in support of the president. Bro, you are out of control right now. I'm going to need you to bring it back in right now. You've going out there now. Okay. I'm making this a short for, uh, for the, for the, for the, you know, social media. This is gonna be a short. You bringing that up? Comparing yeah. per, comparing the insurrection to a porn set. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's what Roller Girl said. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Folks, just in case you don't know, Terrence is referencing the movie called Boogie Nights, starring Mark Mark Wahlberg, and I believe Heather Graham, if I remember correctly. So yeah, if you, Heather if Graham. Never see, yeah, if you've never seen the movie. Probably need to watch yeah. it now so you know, know what he's talking about. So yeah, I think that's good Calpar Bros uh watching slash reading material because that's a great movie. But but folks, if you're gonna watch the movie, you have to watch it to the very, very end, the last scene until the credits start rolling. Because that's almost or, the best part of the movie. So or that other thing, start rolling. Anyways. <laughs> In this segment, we're gonna be talking about um something near and dear to i think all of us here on planet earth which is trying to get uh kids to be more active and i think that's really why you propose this uh segment jason it's just trying to get get kids from in front of a screen and when you say the screen i think you really meant you know it could be a phone it could be a, a tablet it could be a television so what are some things um so what are some ideas that you have or that the article that you referenced um, in terms of getting kids from in front of a screen, like what's important about that to you? Well, before I go into that, one thing I just do want to point out is, you know, we referenced a CNN health article regarding this, which uh, is titled convincing your child to leave their screens behind uh, to exercise is hard, but here's how to do it. But within the article, they reference a report from common sense media and I'll kind of read this excerpt of the article. Uh, researchers have de- seen a decline in the amount of physical activity children as young as age six years old engage in per day. According to the 2019 study published in Pediatrics, um, at the same time, children eight to 12 years old are getting almost five hours of screen time per day, while 13 to 18 year olds are spending over seven hours glued to their screens per day. So just kind of keep in mind when you hear the numbers five hours and seven hours that that we're only awake for a certain portion of the day during the, a 24-hour-a-day period, okay? Because obviously we're sleeping. We'll pretend people are getting eight hours of sleep. So it leaves the other uh, 16. And I'm, we're going to hope that kids are focused in school for most of the time, so we'll cut out that six hours a day. So, so at least only 10 other hours that they're probably going to be awake in the day. So five to seven of those hours, they're spent in front of the screen, which makes sense thinking of all the things that um, kids can do from the screen short of going outside and play with their, playing with their actual friends. They're playing with their friends now on screens, video games, TV, stuff like that, which isn't 
a bad thing doing those things because there's still some interaction, but that's all they're doing is where the problem comes into play. Uh, to answer your question, what does it mean to me or why is it it's important to me? Um, just from the health, physical a aspect of it, you know, obviously you and I both are relatively active. We try to go to the gym, do other things, stay active, stay moving, you know, even if it's just riding a bike and things like that. Um, and I think that's important to do even when you're a kid. I mean, obviously you still have that kid metabolism, which helps, stuff like that. But I but never also, had that kid metabolism, by the way. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> well, kid you're talking about, Jason, it's a foreign concept. I've had the metabolism of a 40-year-old black man since I was four. So now that you are, are, are that age, what's your metabolism like now? Like 80-year-old? Uh, probably close to a 42-year-old black male. Okay. Um, and okay. I just have to, you know, I just work out like crazy to overcome it, basically. Because, yeah, I, you know, you know, some of those people that I've seen, you know, somebody like Michael Phelps that literally had to eat like 20,000 calories a day just to maintain the physique that he had. I'm just like, uh... That is not me. Let's try 1,200 calories to maintain, to even get a glimpse of trying to lose a pound at one point. I'm not there yet. Thank, I'm not there anymore, thank God. Um, and I'm very, you know, happy where I am weight-wise right now. I'm actually at 270. But I definitely remember being heavier than that and trying to pull out all the stops to try to do something drastically to change my physique. So I, I get what you're saying, all jokes aside, about a having a kid metabolism. And even more so, I also, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly that there is a kind of a physical activity crisis facing our country um, because of, it's a combination of things. I don't want to blame screen I don't want to blame phones because, or t or televisions because we've been down that road before. Like it's it's so to me, it's intellectually lazy to to propose that because for a lot of people, for example, on social media, on Instagram, on TikTok, these these social media avenues they we they came up with the term influencer why because you had people that actually worked out all the fucking time and they turned it into a lifestyle they literally turned it into a fucking job so for me blaming screen time is i'm going to be conflicted about that because yeah that might be part of the story but it's not the entire story and i feel like there needs to be more focus, especially from, you know, the article referencing common sense media where, okay, it's kind of like uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. I'm like, yeah, you know, screens, screens don't tell you when, when to put that shit down and go outside. Your, your parents do or your peers do. And I think for me, that matters more than... That will always matter more than what tech is at our, our disposal because 
your parents and your peers will always have more influence. And honestly, I'm of the opinion that they always should, you know? I do know, Terrence. Uh, and I actually agree with you. Um, definitely wasn't trying to go down the road of blaming, you know, the actual TV, you know, for... The idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. As as you know what, though? It's probably, in some cases, it's probably still an accurate term to use the idiot box. But yeah, definitely not blaming the idiot box or the idiot phone screen or tablet or whatever as to why, oh, this is your fault screen. No, I agree with you completely. It's all about um, uh, parents. Because parents, let's be honest here, for the most part, parents are the influence, especially when they're preteen years and younger, especially. So it's all about, you know, that influence. Are you encouraging your kids to get off the phone, you know, get off the off the screens, go outside, interact with your friends, you know, and, and also the activity doesn't have to be sports or team sports. If that's your outlet, great, but it doesn't have to be that. It's it, like I mentioned before, riding your bike, you know, going swimming, hiking, walking, you know, whatever it may be. Just go to, if there's a park, go to the park, figure out something to do, you know, uh, there's something to be active. Keep the mind going beyond just what, whatever's on your screen. Uh, but I, I agree with you. That starts with the parents, um, encouraging them to do things, get off the screens. When there's, when it's family time, encouraging Put the phones down, put them away. Don't bring them to the table. You know, uh, I found an in interesting article from nothing, you know, like CNN or anything, but uh, it's a parentclub.scott. Um, but basically, it has like 12 tips for reducing your kid's screen time. And that was one of them. You know, whenever it's family time, make sure the you know, phones are away, no screen time, turn the TV off, talk, play games when it's game time, family night, make a family night, whatever it is, sharing a meal, anything. There's anything a parent can do or a family can do to reduce the screen time when necessary. But one thing you mentioned or kind of hinted towards is that I do think it's important. I mentioned this as well on a, um, uh, today news article that reducing screen time is great, but you don't have to eliminate it. I think I mentioned to you yesterday that I was watching again, a YouTube video about, uh, one of the guys I follow, he kind of goes to different neighborhoods across the country and kind of get to know people that live there show people what the neighborhood's really like and some of the people there. Well, he actually went to like an Amish community uh, not long ago. And even though they had this family had like other electronics in the house, they didn't have a TV. So the kids are pretty much forced to play outside with their friends. Not to say we got to use that as an example, but just, you know, like, but that goes to what I was saying. You don't necessarily need to eliminate the issue, but maybe reducing it. Because as, as I'm sure as a parent yourself, I'm sure you would agree that, five to seven hours a night on in front of a screen of some sort is a lot. But one, one last thing I'm going to say real quick, you know, before I let you jump in is that I definitely have to say too, that how much of this applies to adults as well? Like how much screen time do adults get, whether it be from work or otherwise? So I mean, so you and I, I some and, and plus between the work and this enterprise, we are definitely clocking. Hell, we're probably at the 12 level. This is true. We're at being the high performers that we are, both professionally and at this little excursion of ours, known as Cal Park Bros, um, we are absolutely clocking in at 12 plus. Now, for, for me, it's never really been about the number. It's been... The number, if you just look at the number, well, the number kind of looks absurd. Agreed. You know, you know, e every modern phone says, oh, well, your screen time was at this. I'm like, yeah, but 
that number in of itself means jack shit to me. I mean, I I work in marketing. This 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 screen is a primary instrument for me to actualize my job. And the same could be said for you. Um Before you go into the next point real quick, so I, I disagree with you. The number itself, when it comes to, I guess, technically, even a kid too, the number itself doesn't mean anything, but I guess it's about the quality of what that time is doing. So I mentioned before, kids at school, you know, when, when that, you know, if they're getting screen time there, which I'm sure it counts, it counts. But I look at that more as quality screen time because you're using it for your education. Same thing for us, me and you at work. Yeah, that may be included in our screen time, but obviously that's something we need for our quality screen time. That's what we do to get paid, right? So, but so I guess to to that point, it would be coming off of same with kids too. How much of your screen time is being spent when you're not at school or work? Is most of your time on the screen in those times too? And for kids, maybe now that they're going actually back to the back to school as opposed to you know having to use a screen for that primarily because you're working you know doing school from home, maybe that might help with that. I, I don't know. Or it could make it worse. Who knows? I guess that's up to the individual family. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily include. I mean, I know it's going to count to the total total number. I look at screen time and work in school more as quality time because you need that for either educationally or because that's how you get paid. So. Yeah, I think a a lot of this. I agree where you should have some sort of stop gaps where it's like okay, there's certain scenarios where you at least need to be mindful of how much you're being on the phone. Um, and I say that as someone who absolutely had a uh, phone slash internet addiction uh, probably well over 10 years ago, where I, I literally could not engage face to face because I was so wrapped up into what the fuck was going on on my iPhone at that point. Um, so I say this as someone who has had to uh, cope with the the tech of our day um and be able to be cognizant and and cope uh and still and still work to be not only a, a productive member of society but also um the the husband the dad the people know and love so i am incredibly sensitive to this idea about how much screen time is too much screen time short answer you'll know you, you'll know if 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 your child literally um, is so wrapped up into what's going on on YouTube, but they haven't paid attention to the fact that everybody else is making dinner, then yeah, it's you just have to have a short, a brief conversation about hey, you should probably make a plate, but that doesn't require a fucking uh, essay, a treatise on the problem with kids today. That just requires a conversation as a parent. That's it. Oh, oh, oh! The problem with kids today—that's definitely a beyond this one segment, you know, topic. Which you know, we could go and, into that, but I, well, I don't want to sound like you know, get off my lawn, guy. So I'm, I don't, we're not I mean, going to make a segment about that. So, I mean, that that is literally, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing better than the get off my lawn guy, and given the fact that you don't have children, we're you're already going to have the tractors. That's the funny part. And ironically, me being a, a, a parent of three and a half, I will also have detractors. Detract me, because we're guys, Because we're guys, we don't know shit anyway, at least according to some. So, um, 
but that's Jeff just my I've gotten officially. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just my two cents there, man, where not everything has to be a fucking think piece about kids and phones and shit like that. Cause I guarantee you that Catherine Brown had to have some of the same discussions 30 years ago about what she considered to be my overuse of media of the day that oh that in that that nintendo yeah that's not a question i can tell you as someone who was partaking and indulging in your screen time and making it worse you're you're a damn enabler that's what you are (laughs) yeah exactly so i can i can definitely attest to the fact your screen time was way too much way too much like it was just right it was just right some of the time like i feel bad now the fact that i was enabling you in in your addiction Speaking of which, uh, you mentioned your internet addiction, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought about this. Maybe I am. If I am, so what? But you mentioned your internet addiction. Combine that with what you were talking about initially when we started this segment, comparing the insurrection to a certain other industry. What were you doing during these internet addiction days, sir? Um, I think it was a lot of FOMO. Um, I mean, I, I'll just flat out say it wasn't like ooh, i gotta check out porn right now i'll just tell you that jason i'll tell you that outright it was very much like oh my god i gotta check out what's going on on facebook right now i gotta check out what's going on on twitter right now what's going on in what's going on on black twitter right now hold 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 on mom i gotta see what what black twitter says about this information what does ja rule think (laughs) about this about this recent development in hollywood what 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 does the gram say about about veganism? It was a lot of that, dude. It wasn't anything salacious like, oh my god, I just have to check out a great pair of New York boobs right now. It was not that. It was simply, oh, I wanted to see what was going on in that side of town. So I definitely had what I would consider to be some sort of social media FOMO, where I felt like, oh. Well, surely something's interesting got to be going on on the interwebs. Ignoring the fact that I was forsaking people in my own home at that time. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that that is the level of internet addiction that I was talking about. Um, and I just had to kind of work myself way out of it, you know. You know, fortunately, I had, you know, the accountability and love of people like my sister to call me out on my shit and say, okay. I see what you're saying. Surely I can do better than that. Surely my family has earned better than that. So. And and that's why I respect your sister, sister to today as she definitely has earned her role and deserves a role as the most upstanding of the two Brown children. Um, (laughs) So, and, and folks, I mean that with, with highest regard to Terrence, but yeah, I said what I said. So, uh, yeah, and well, and, I, and no fully, I, old, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and I fully admit that when I asked that question about the whole, you know, your uh, addiction, I, I, I was not expecting it to go down the road of your answer. So that that was a, a backfire on me. So there no, you go. No, I, <laughs> I should answer truthfully since you asked me. I mean, I feel like you were trying to fry me, but I don't give a fuck. Like I'll just yeah. tell you. 
what what the issue was because that's the issue that my sister said it was so um and the good news is is that you know just because my sister was holding me accountable doesn't mean that that didn't come from a place of love that's the the most important thing i mean we talk about this article on being active but engagement is not only physical it's emotional and spiritual and it's being in the moment and she was calling me out on the fact that there were f- uh, familial needs going on and happening and life was happening and I was missing out on it. Um, and for that, I thank her because had she not said anything, hell, I probably still might be there on planet FOMO instead of actually enjoying my fucking family and help, you know, and supporting my family. So. Well, there you go. Cool. Anything Again. else you want to talk about related to uh, physical activity for children? <laughs> uh, dude, I hate the way you worded that, by the way, but but answer your question. No. I mean, it's literally what's in the segment. The so, way you were, the way you worded that was just so weird. I, I, I don't know. It just sounded weird, but let's move on because this has gone too far. So you think, <laughs> well, you, well, sure. Right. Well, that concludes our segment on getting kids from in front of a screen. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap up the show in the next segment and also give a special shout out for a certain guest segment coming up next on Cow Park Bros. I don't start talking until I see that clock counting. So, okay. There we go. for listening to the Cal Park Bros podcast with your host Terrence and Jason. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and a review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 405-877-2767. That's 405-877- Rose, who knows? Your message could end up on a future episode of this here podcast. Jason, you got any uh, final thoughts? Once again, you crack me up with the whole this here podcast. Um, but yeah, keep being you, bro. Keep being you. But but yeah, man. So definitely always good to get another episode in the books. Not because we hate doing it, but because we love doing it. Uh, look at it as a measure of accomplishment that we get another episode in, and this is going to be number twenty three. So. We're moving right along, bro. Moving right along. But yeah, man. So definitely one that you've mentioned uh, at the end of the last segment that I had a little, little bit of a shout out. And for those of you who may have seen or seen me talk about it, I had the chance to do a chat slash interview with uh, somebody that I follow. They follow me on Instagram. Um, and it was really cool. It was the, the first time I've ever done like a, 
IG live interview or chat with, with anybody. So that was a pretty cool experience. So hope to do it again at some point. Um, had a chance to talk about the, the animal free lifestyle path that I've, uh, I've gone down and also talk about the podcast itself. So uh, that was pretty cool as well. But the person I'm referring to her uh, Instagram handle is Lady Letty Rogu, which is L-E-T-Y-R-O-G-U. Uh, definitely go to her page, follow her. She's She is a self-proclaimed, which is true. When I say self-proclaimed, it's actually true. She is a yoga st- instructor that specializes in trauma-sensitive yoga. She also helps beginners get started on the in their yoga practice. But also she offers online do, uh, donation-based yoga classes. So if you're into the yoga yoga thing, definitely she's a good one to follow. So definitely go to her Instagram page, do that. And again, it's Letty Rogu, L-E-T-Y-R-O-G-U. But a couple of other cool things is she lives in Hawaii. So she has fantastic pictures of the beautiful scenery that Hawaii has to offer. And if you love that kind of stuff, definitely she has a lot of that. So follow her for that reason. And also she's pretty cool. So um, again, shout out to her and thank you her for that opportunity. It was really cool. And, um, yeah, definitely love to do that again with anybody else. If they want to uh, do that or we can do that for somebody else too. So, um, but again, Letty Rogu, L-E-T-Y-R-O-G-U, get on Instagram and go to that and hit the little like button and follow. But, um, speaking of which, uh, folks, make sure you're doing the same for us at Calpart Bros, connecting with us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Go there, find us, like us, follow us, subscribe. Uh, subscribe. Also, calpartbros at gmail.com. You can go there, submit all your questions, comments, concerns, feedback, topic ideas. I'll go there. If you want to vocalize those same things, like Terrence said, uh, we have the voicemail set up now, so you can call in, do that, or go to calpartbros.com. They have the message link there. Click on that. It'll be the same thing. And hey, if it's pretty cool and pretty good, we just might play on the show so you can hear your voice on a podcast. Be an unofficial, sort of, but not really Cal Park, bro, but you'll feel like it. So same thing, sort of. Um, but yeah, so make sure you're doing all that. But of course, I got to thank you guys for listening and watching. We see see it happening. Keep doing it. Most importantly, though, what we see you've been doing, and keep this up, you've been doing this. And you know what's coming, so say it with me, folks. When it comes to all things Cal Park Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? Amen to that, Jason. And with that, this is Cal Park Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, Why wouldn't you?